and hello, my fellow film fans. I am Andre Hutchins, and you are listening to another episode of Backseat Directors, where my co-host Ryan Nevin and I discuss the latest in movie news and reviews. You can visit Backseat Directors on our new website at backseatdirectors.com, where you'll find the latest in written movie reviews and other articles. You can also stay up to date with the podcast and new episodes by subscribing to the show. And good news, we are now on Spotify. So there really isn't any place you can't find the show. And if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. And if you would be so kind, leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. On today's episode, Ryan and I will discuss many different bits of news that came out last week surrounding the new CEO of Disney, a new director for a future Star Wars movie, and the latest in Indiana Jones 5 updates. All right, on to the show. Oh, well, dude, it's it's good to be back. Uh, this is our second episode that you and I are recording together, um, and the first in a like, couple weeks. I think it, it was almost two weeks ago that we uh, recorded that last episode and discussed Birds of Prey uh, and just kind of the state of Warner Brothers and the DCEU. Um, so, yeah, listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode, just go back one episode. It's episode 88. Today is episode 89 of the Backseat Directors podcast. And uh, wow. I know, I know. Crazy, huh? Um, in my number system, it's all kind of messed up. I explained this uh, a number of episodes ago, but I was I was doing my episode numbers based off of movie reviews. So when I had like an episode with you and Cy doing like what's hot or with the formal review doing uh you know uh, uh movies coming soon i didn't count those at, as episode numbers so my number right. kind of system got all messed up and i was like you know what I, I every every episode's an episode i'm just calling it an episode so total episodes that i've recorded and published on backseat directors this is number 89 cool yeah cool yeah it's quite a bit quite a bit but um well one of the things that ryan and i are going to do on every episode and I thought it's just something fun. And this is actually something that uh, I was introduced to by some other uh, guys that I listened to. I, I don't know if, you, if you've seen them on Twitter, but uh, they're called uh, The Screen Addicts. So I listened to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a group of three guys, friends, you know, grew up, went to high school together. Really funny. I, I love just their chemistry because they've been friends for years. But um, but they always run through like movies that they've seen recently. And I, th- I thought it's kind of fun, something we can add to our podcast just so we can. It, it's a way to talk about old movies, you know, and even briefly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a good idea. Yeah. So, but. <laughs> And I'm kind of shocked at how many movies that I've seen in the last two weeks. It kind of makes me feel like I literally don't do anything else except watch movies, right? <laughs> but um, here, I want you to go first, Ryan. You go first. Give me your list of some of the movies you've seen recently since the last time that you and I've talked, okay? Okay, so um, the most recent film that I watched actually was uh, not last night, but the night before was um, Steve Jobs. Um, with the Michael Fassbender versions, um, directed by Danny Boyle. Uh, have you seen that? I have it. The only the I I saw the uh, the Ashton Kutcher, Steve Jobs movie, because they kind of they kind of came out almost in the same year, and I think the Ashton Kutcher one came out sooner, but it's not nearly as well regarded I know as the Michael Fassbender one. But I haven't seen the Michael Fassbender one. Uh, it's good. It's good. I think I, I don't think either of them were. Um were as successful as i think they wanted to be i think like maybe like critically um but no it's good i like, I like the michael fassbender one michael fassbender is really good interesting fact though, that christian bale was originally um was originally signed to do that film do you remember that do to be to play originally? steve jobs yeah really no yeah, i didn't was, know that he signed on yeah um yeah so i've watched that i've watched um 
So on my uh, local kind of like equivalent of a cable, they've they bought Star Wars back on for one last time, I think, before we get Disney Plus. So I've watched a lot of Star Wars again. So they kind of bring it back and it goes and bring it back. Um, so I've watched uh, Revenge of the Sith. I always watch Revenge of the Sith when it comes back because I love that. That's my you, favorite your, one. Your, your favorite prequel? Yep. And I watched um, Empire Strikes Back as well, um, which is um, relevant to this, this show as we continue on. Um, so... I've watched a lot of a lot of Star Wars and a film that I am planning to watch, which has recently put on the cable, um, our equivalent cable, Sky over here is um, I haven't seen it yet. Was Godzilla the recent Godzilla? Oh, King, King of, of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. You didn't see it last year, but you saw it now. No, no, I haven't seen it yet. That's okay. my next one I'm going to watch <laughs> because it's just been, it's just been put on um, put on our thing. So, so yeah, so interesting. So that's so I've had a lot of Star Wars binging. Um, Steve Jobs, um, really. That's kind of the ones I can kind of remember in the last week or so that I've watched. So that's like three films in the last week. So what about yourself? Oh, man, dude. My, <laughs> like I said, it's going to make me feel like... It's going to make everyone think that I literally don't do anything other than watch movies. But and it's, it's part that's partly true. But you're going to have to watch the Godzilla movie. You know they have Godzilla versus King Kong coming out later this year. It's it's October. This, is it is it this year? Is it this confirmed year. this year? Yeah, no, it's it's coming out this year, October, November of this year. Yeah, it's, hap- not heard it's any, happening. Like, <laughs> you know, like you see like loads of like set photos and stuff on like on Twitter, and yeah. I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen any sort of anything on that. So that's mad that that's out so soon, considering that we haven't even had a trailer. Yeah, no, this is one of those. It's one of those like, um, it's it's a franchise, and it's it's a kind of a cinematic universe uh, that a lot of people don't. Uh, either well one the godzilla king of the monsters last year did not do well at the box office uh i I think it did decently critically i don't remember what its rotten tomato rating was um but it 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 just did not do well and it's kind of interesting and i I don't want to get in on a little tangent on this but you know gareth edwards directed rogue one right but he he kind of got he got his opportunity to direct rogue one because he he did fairly decently with the reboot of Godzilla back in 2014. So in 2014, he made the Godzilla movie that I really liked uh, for fans of Godzilla and the kind of those old school monster movies. They didn't like it because of the main reason that I heard, at least the main critique that I've heard from so many people is that you barely get to see Godzilla. He's not on, he's, he doesn't have that much screen time in the movie, but I think it's done well and purposefully just because, they're hiding Godzilla. They're not. They're they're trying to wait until the very end with his battle with the other monsters to really reveal him. So he's he's just kind of lurking in the shadows. They do these really quick sweeping shots where you might see his tail or like a foot or something like that. But anyway, anyway, I like the movie Godzilla King of the Monsters. Eh, maybe not so much, but it had way more monster destruction and monster fighting. So if people are into that, like that's that's what but yeah and then you know in 2017 they had the kong school island with brie larson and uh oh gosh why am i blinking on his name you love him you think he's Tom hiddleston yeah t- yeah hiddleston um which yeah. i i thought it was it was it was a fun movie it was fun it was a popcorn flick it's you know one of those movies you you know you just go and <laughs> kind of suspend all all belief and and have fun but yeah now they're tying it in and it's actually going to be like a four movie franchise so Anyway. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because the King Kong that they had um, was considerably smaller than than Godzilla. That was a yep. lot of what people 
people's gripes with, isn't they? Way so smaller. That, way smaller. Well, yeah, but in that, in that movie took place in the 70s, um, you know, because it kind of had that whole Vietnam War theme to it. Right. You know, with Samuel L. Jackson being kind of the grizzled yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Vietnam War. So they could, bla- they could blag that, like, kind of he's got grown. He just yes. keeps getting bigger and bigger well, so, that's, over, and the, that's, over that yeah. 40 year period. Well, and that's, that's exactly what I've read. I've read that he, he is growing. And so he was just a kid in the seventies, but over the next 40 years, he's going to be, you know, a, a, okay, a, cool. a, a good oh. opponent for Godzilla. Cause Godzilla is huge. <laughs> like, like I was looking at this chart, uh, of of just like the different sizes of different versions of Godzilla's through all the Godzilla monster movies, and every movie is different. Like the size of Godzilla varies in all the movies, but in the recent Godzilla movies, like King of the Monsters, this is the biggest they've ever made him. He's like he's like bigger than any building that man has ever built. Like so, it's it's just kind of funny. Like King Kong's got to grow quite a bit in order to be like a sizable opponent for for. Anyway, okay, here I'll give you my list. All right, um, I'm gonna. <laughs> So a few of these movies, um, my wife and I will kind of take turns picking and choosing like the movies that we watch because it's the only way that I can ever get her to watch a movie that I want to watch, you know, and a movie like okay, I'm, yeah. I'm like, Hey, like I want to introduce you to this movie and it's a movie that she would never choose willingly. But if it's like my turn to pick, she'll sit down and watch it. Well, over Valentine's day weekend, she had her pick of lots of different movies. And so, and she's really like, like if she's, if it's just late at night and she's kind of, you know, just kind of winding down or whatever, she'll turn on Disney plus. Cause my wife is big fan of Disney. So she'll just go through like the large catalog of old Disney movies on there. Starting with princess diaries and Anne Hathaway. <laughs> okay. That's, a, that's not, not a bad film to be fair. Like when we if we keep it in its, its bubble of, of quality. And yeah. No, the it, quality is which it can reach. I feel it, it, it it maxes out the quality of a film of, of that nature. Could it's, be. it's a Disney, it's like a Disney family movie. Like it's like the perfect yeah. kind of Disney family movie, you know? And it, and it's kind of what it, it's, what sparked Anne Hathaway's career after that? She just kind of, yeah, definitely, you know, kind of took off. But, um, what's funny, I had never seen, I didn't know there was a sequel and I guess there is a sequel, but we also watched princess diaries two, which is, terrible it is nowhere near as good as the first it's just one of those chris pine in right yes it has chris pine i had no idea that chris pine plays with it and he's terrible i can't believe i know that oh my god how embarrassing my girlfriend loves it it's not me i swear (laughs) it's just funny it's funny like you know going back to a time uh of of these movies, which is kind of like the early two thousands where I wasn't watching nearly as many movies as I am now. Obviously it was just a different time in my life. And so it's fun to kind of see these old movies, even for as bad as they are and see actors that you would have never guessed would play in such a movie like this, like Chris Pine. It's just funny, but yeah, princess, it's, it's a sequel to a movie that, that never had a planned sequel because you know, they just, Let's make this movie. It's original. Oh, it did really well. Now let's make a sequel. And I hate it when studios do that. It's like, no, if you didn't have a planned sequel or if you didn't leave an open-ended kind of for a sequel and you force that sequel in there, it's never, never going to measure up and it's never as good. And I, I know, I've, I mean, it. sometimes there are other cases, but Princess Diaries is not one of them. <laughs> um, I know what you mean. We watched... Uh, Oh, funny, we watched Bridget Jones' Diary for the first time. Neither my wife and I had never seen it, and it was a, yeah, it was a great rom com, man. I I was surprised. Like Renee yeah, Zellweger classic. is really good. 
And it's kind of funny. I think you and I have talked about this on previous episodes where uh, British actors doing American accents usually work really well, but American actors trying to do British accents, there's there's a tendency that 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 doesn't translate over as well. But Renee Zellweger, I thought she did great having a British accent. But I, what's your take on her British accent? It sounds like you're at least good. Good. No, it's good. It's a uh, it's a big it's big big film over here. It's very. Um um yeah it's very well respected i know i don't think i've met a um a single female because it's very dedicated to the female audience <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't hold that film in, in high regard so from my perspective in regards to opinion it it doesn't resonate with me because it is a very uh female kind of film that's that's related to females and kind of how they go through life in a way but in regards to, I can tell that it's a it's a quality film, and yeah, Zellweger's accent is is, is spot on. It's it, yeah, it's brilliant. It's not like your kind of typical posh um, kind of like Dick Van Dyke, not posh like Dick Van Dyke kind of Cockney. You know that that kind of yeah. typical English or or with the Queen kind of posh. It's it feels very authentic. It's a very authentic accent. So no, she smashed it. But she's a, she's a brilliant actress, as we all know. Yeah, well, and she just won. You know, she just won an Oscar for for Judy. Um, I, yeah. I haven't seen that movie, but, um, no, it was, it was really good. And I think it's kind of funny, you know, when you see both Hugh Grant and Colin Firth playing in the same movie, um, it's just, it, it, it always brings back vibes of, you know, back in the BBC days of their Pride and Prejudice, you know, miniseries. And that's yeah, something yeah, that yeah. I, I watched with my mom growing up as a kid. Cause she, that's like her period pieces are her favorite thing. And she, always goes back to like her favorite movie show ever of all time is that Hugh Grant, Colin Firth, Pride and Prejudice miniseries. Like, you know, and nice. so see, yeah. So seeing Hugh Grant and Colin Firth again in the same movie is just kind of fun. But yeah, we watch Bridget Jones diary. We watch crazy, uh, watched crazy, uh, crazy rich Asians. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. It's surprisingly good. I think that's a lot of people really like that film, right? Because it is surprisingly good. I really enjoyed it. Surprisingly good. Yes. No, I, I, I thought, I thought that was, uh, you know, one uh, these kind of, you know, you can call them chick flicks or rom-coms come out. Uh, this one, this one just kind of, it, it's really original. And uh, the fact that, you know, you're watching uh, a movie with uh, a cast that, you know, is, at least within the U.S., I mean, there's not a lot of English movies with a full Asian uh, list of actors, you know. And a movie that takes primarily takes place like in I, I don't remember where they were if they were in China or Singapore or wherever. But um, anyway, it's a great movie. Um, we watched. Oh, we also watched uh, the sequel to uh, to All the Boys I Loved Before that Netflix one. Did you see that? I've not seen that. No. I think it came out in 2018. But anyway, uh, this the sequel's pretty good. It's another. It's just it's a, a good rom com, you know, and um, that's on Netflix. And then we watched, oh dude, <laughs> we watched the Keanu Reeves A Walk in the Clouds. I'm not. Is that fairly new? I know that he's done no. a fairly new rom com with um, what's her face from Stranger Things, which I wanted to check out with my girlfriend, but no, I've not heard of that. <laughs> dude, that one. That that one's uh. Oh gosh, what is that one? I need to look this up. The Winona, the one with Winona, Winona Ryder. Ryder. Yeah, you know yeah, the one yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, okay. So, well, oh, okay. So let me. I'll tell you about a walk in the clouds. A walk in the clouds is a '90s. Um, I mean, it, it's a total romance. It's not a rom com. It is a romance drama. Uh, the premise of the movie is he's a, 
a World War II soldier returning from the war. He married this girl that he had met only for like a week or two before the war. They got married super quick and then he shipped off. So he hasn't seen her in four years. He comes back and they're still married, but like, they're not really in love, you know, like they, it's just this weird relationship that they have, you know, without really knowing each other. So anyway, he ends up meeting this, uh, this Hispanic girl who is pregnant um, but is not married and she's afraid to go back home because her dad, who's very conservative, very traditional is going to be incredibly upset to know that she's pregnant outside of marriage, you know? And so he, he goes home with her to, and pretends to be her husband. So the dad doesn't get so upset. Right. But anyway, dude, it's, it's a good movie, man. And Keanu Reeves, I mean, I, I love him as an actor dude he's he's great and okay i know he's not like the most talented actor you'll ever see but but i I, he just has a charisma about him that i just i i just like seeing so any movie that keanu reeves is in i'll go watch it so anyway that's okay dude i'm only halfway through my list i need to get going okay so then after that we watched a mini driver and john cusack movie called gross point blank have you seen that okay no. Okay. John Cusack. Well, okay. This, dude, this is a, a weird rom-com. It is weird, but it is very, very cool um, in, the, in just how weird it is. So he plays, uh, John Cusack is an assassin, uh, assassin for hire. Um, again, this is a rom-com, okay? So assassin for hire, he, uh, he is tasked to go back to his 10-year high school reunion to kill someone there and when he goes back he meets his high school girlfriend again who he hasn't seen since high school you know they start their relationship up again but he's this assassin for hire it's just dude it's a weird movie but it's very good very funny okay great great 90s movie okay um then i watched a recent uh, new netflix movie that just came out just like a couple weeks ago with anne hathaway called the last thing he wanted um, if it, you, uh, listeners, if you guys want to know more about the movie, I wrote a review on it on backseatdirectors.com. So go check it out there. We watched man from uncle. Great movie. Yeah, I want a sequel. I don't know why guy Ritchie hasn't done a sequel. We need a sequel, man. That movie's so great. Cats I think, I so think they should take the chat. I don't think that it did massively well. So it that didn't. might be why he it. But I think it with, with Cavill's kind of, lure now he's built so much more of a lure since that film especially well, like with witcher i yes. think if they did a film now he would have that that factor for people to go see it he never had that back then it was it's it's it was more of one of those films that was building his his respect if you will yeah. but now he has a lure and he's proved that with the witcher to be honest because that that is massively done really well and i think i haven't seen it yet but it, it's people are watching it because he he's in there and it's had a knock on effect of it obviously clearly being good, but no, they should definitely do a sequel. Well, and same, same with the other two leads like Alicia Vikander and um, army hammer. I think, I think both have, you know, had their names established within Hollywood as well. I mean, Alicia Vikander with, you know, tomb Raider. Um, but okay. So, and then public enemies with Johnny Depp, my wife had never seen it. Um, oh, speaking of tomb Raider, we did rewatch tomb Raider, uh, which, I thought it's a pretty good movie. Um, I mean, I, I'm not like a fan of the video game. I never really played the video game. Uh, the uh, Angelina Jolie ones are just a little too cheesy for me. I think this Alicia Vikander Tomb Raider is more grounded in reality. And as an adventure film, I think it works well. It's like kind of like a three out of five star movie for me, but I think it's decent. 
Uh, we watched Get Out last night. Holy crap, man. That that movie is so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's, it's the Jordan Peele horror movie from 2017. And then I got to go see a screening last week of The Invisible Man. Dude, go see The Invisible Man. Everyone listening right now, if you have a chance to go see The Invisible Man, go see it. A $7 million film that only took eight months to film. It's going to make about $30 plus million in its opening weekend. It is a great horror movie. And I'm not a big fan of horror movies. But like movies like Get Out and Us and stuff like that that are tasteful horror, The Invisible Man is done so well, dude. Go If you have a chance, man, go see it. It's really good. Cool. Nice. Uh, dude, so that's my list. That's my list. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, hey, so R- Ryan and I, we've got quite a bit of, of things to talk about. Today's episode is going to be more focused on some news that has come out over the last couple of weeks since we last had our last podcast. And a lot of this is more uh, Disney related. You know, so we've got some, um, you know, Star Wars news. We have some Lucasfilm and Indiana Jones news, Harrison Ford, etc. Um, but I want to start things off with the announcement that happened just this last week, Ryan, with Disney CEO Bob Iger stepping down and uh, the new CEO, whose name is Bob Chapek, uh, taking his place effective immediately. So um, what do you think about this, man? Um, well, considering the fact I don't know too much about Bob uh, Chapek, I can't really comment too much in regards to many worries about the future, um, because I don't know too much about how he operates. Um, when I remember when Tim Cook took, took over after Job died, I, I knew a lot about Tim Cook. I knew he was a very sales-driven guy, so I had I had my concerns there with Jobs being very creative. But in this situation, I don't know too much, so I'm, I'm kind of excited because i think there are a level of things in disney that need to be shaken up a little bit and maybe refreshed um but i'm disappointed that to see bob Iger go um he's he's done a lot for disney and whether you like it his approach or not he's established a very good company on the whole like the stuff that they churn out is of a good quality um and i feel like he's run that company quite well, I want to say ethically, but it's hard. I think there'll be a lot of people out there that will probably question maybe a lot of some of the stuff that he's done. But overall, I think he's he's done a good job and he's done the best that he can and and left a massive mark with the company. So it's it's sad. It's sad, but I'm looking forward to seeing what Chapek does because I do feel it needs a bit of a shakeup now. What about yourself? Yeah, I, the heights and achievements that Bob uh, Bob Iger was able to um, achieve in his time at Disney are remarkable. You know, you think about you think about Walt Disney as a studio and the movies that they actually create outside of the other studios that they own, you know, and, and we, we, I mean, nowadays it's so synonymous when we think of Pixar, we think Disney, you know, Disney and Pixar are synonymous, you know, they're one and the same almost, but I mean, Pixar is an independent, I mean, it, it is a, it is a movie studio with, uh, within the Disney um, umbrella and, that was an acquisition made under Bob Iger's leadership. So you start with Pixar and then probably, and it's crazy to say that Marvel studios is a bigger acquisition than Lucasfilm, but that's exactly how it's turned out. Then buying Marvel studios is that will probably go down as Bob Iger's biggest achievement because of what Marvel studios has been able to accomplish and what they've done. And then obviously, yes, I mean, striking the deal with Lucasfilm and George Lucas um, and then Disney plus, I mean, his, his, his legacy as a leader of a 
you know, worldwide recognized brand like Disney is pretty impeccable. Um, I, I just want to read some, just a, a quick uh, few uh, sentences from the LA Times news release about about the change. So they said, Many analysts and uh, and Hollywood insiders had thought the job would go to Disney's hard-charging direct-to-consumer chairman, Kevin Meyer, who oversees the company's streaming efforts, including Disney+, ESPN+, and Hulu. But the Disney board instead chose Chapek, a 27-year veteran of the Burbank-based company, who brings a straightforward managerial style and deep operational experience across key Disney businesses, including theme parks, consumer products, home entertainment, and film distribution. So his his experience seems like it, it encompasses quite a few different areas. I like that he has his experience within film distribution. The article goes on to say that where he really lacks experience is within TV and streaming. So, I mean, obviously, he's probably going to have to delegate a lot of that stuff to other people who are more experienced. Um, but what I think was kind of more promising, or at least, at least kind of gave me... Uh, um, a more positive outlook on this change is it says, it says Bob Iger, who's, who is 69 years old, will remain at the company for nearly two years overseeing creative endeavors as newly appointed executive chairman, meaning he'll be very much still in the picture. Iger will also guide the transition to Chapek, who will report to him and the board. So even mm. though, even though Bob Paycheck is now the CEO right now, uh, Bob Iger will be, you know, around Disney and kind of helping chapek with his transition for the next two years so. well yeah he's he's essentially still Iger's still in charge essentially chapek's coming in to deal with more of the the day-to-day stuff but if chapek does anything that Iger doesn't agree with Iger can just still go <laughs> no that's not happening and then it won't happen so that's kind of but it's just so i think chapek will get that once i guess it's completely goes after the two years but it, right. it's so it's it's more the from what i've read yeah chapek will be doing the the day-to-day um, it's running and he will obviously have massive decisions and stuff and will have to decide a lot of things he's a CEO but the bottom line is if he does anything that Iger goes I ain't feeling that there's nothing that Chopek can do so yeah. Iger's still very much making sure the boat is heading in the right direction he's just not manning the people anymore or or running the steers you know what I mean but he is he is running the map still essentially yeah, and honestly, like you think about there are other properties like Pixar and Marvel Studios. Those things are machines, and they're cranking out their movies, and they are quality movies. They might not be ten out of ten masterpieces, but I mean, well, Pixar maybe. <laughs> but you know, the the one area I think most people are interested to see how things, you know, maybe shake up or change is with Lucasfilm. Um, you know, and so, and this is, this is kind of a good transition to our next topic because, uh, it was just announced just this last week that, uh, Lucasfilm has appointed a new director for a new Star Wars film. His name is JD Dillard. He's the director of a movie that came out in 2017 called Slight. Uh, I didn't see it. Um, he has another directing credit to a movie that came out last year called Sweetheart. It was kind of a thrill, uh, thriller horror movie. Again, not a movie I've seen. He's, he, I mean, for people like you and me that watch a lot of movies and, you know, hearing this guy's name, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really, for me, it doesn't really, I, I, I don't really know what to think of something like this uh, other than I think Lucasfilm in the past has had a knack of hiring directors that 
maybe they've shown promise in previous movies, but they don't have a lot of experience. You know, J.J. Abrams yeah. was kind of like that. That was something different because you think about the the people they had chosen for, like, um, you know, for R- Ryan Johnson before Star Wars, he had done Looper, and outside of Looper, no one really knew who he was. You know, and same with yeah. um, same with um, Gareth Edwards for Rogue One. Outside of Godzilla, he hadn't really done anything. So it's interesting to, that they're still kind of going with these, you know, kind of lesser known up and coming directors. But I wonder if that's because they they see, okay, this is someone that has talent, but also someone we can mold, someone that we can, you know, kind of dictate and say, hey, you need to do things our way, you know, instead mm-hmm. of giving, you know, kind of creative freedom to the director. But do you, do you have any thoughts on this this new director announcement? Uh, You've kind of hit the nail on the head, really. I don't know too much about him. Um, and I think that's what they want. They want to be, and it's how the approach that they've taken with their Marvel films, really. Um, a lot of the directors that they've had do their Marvel films have not been, um, not been massive. On the whole, don't get me wrong. There's some some in there that do that did dabble in there, but I think when they do get the big names in, like when they got um, was it Edgar Wright who was supposed to be doing? Oh, well, he was. Batman? He was, and and he still got the credit for writing the story, but but yeah, they they eventually parted ways. So I think they're kind of learning that if they want to kind of steer it, that they need to have a director that's kind of willing to give up a level of creative control. And when you have a a, a big name, there's there's a clash there because they kind of feel like they don't, they shouldn't be having to do that because they're in to do a job for their creative mind. And they, they have a respect there that they should have. And I think the way that that operates with, when Disney take control or any other studio take control, it's a bit of a lack of respect for the director's creative ability. So I think there's kind of a mutual agreement where they get someone in that kind of hasn't earned that respect yet. So Disney can kind of take control of it, but it also gives that director a ability to, to have a platform and, and get their face up and kind of show off their ability a little bit. So I think I understand why they do it. It make it makes sense. Um, and in regards to the, with this, with this, um, director coming in i have no opinion i don't really know too much so it's just it's just one of those it's just a, a typical disney move in my opinion yeah and so and this is something that i wanted to bring up as well just kind of run through uh, you know over the last few years these announcements that lucasfilm and kathleen kennedy make that they were announced and and then nothing really ever happened from it you know so starting back in november 2017 before the last jedi was even released in theaters before we even got the movie and we got to see it, Kathleen Kennedy announces that they're going to give a new trilogy to Ryan Johnson. And I think I remember at the time feeling so excited because I was like thinking if they're already giving him a trilogy, this movie has got to be the best Star Wars movie that has ever been made because without even knowing what the fan reaction is going to be and the audience reaction across the world, they're so confident in this guy's ability that they're going to give him a trilogy. And that was back in November 2017. And since, there hasn't been a peep about Ryan Johnson and his new trilogy. Because because it's not going to happen. They're not <laughs> going to say it's not going to happen. They're just going to hope that people forget. But, and and I, to be honest, I think it's the right... Sometimes fans and stuff have to look at it from a company's perspective. Like They don't have to come out and say that Ryan Johnson isn't making any more, in my opinion. I think... 
Like we want them to, so we can have a level of closure for it. But whether or not they continue to want as a company to want to continue to make that or not is is their prerogative. And they clearly had such backlash from Ryan Johnson. They just want to just let that go. If they, they go and make an announcement that we've canned Ryan Johnson, it it makes them one look like they're taking a side, which they shouldn't be doing in a professional environment, in my opinion. Um, and two, it just it will just bring that flame, it'll fan that flame once again, the right, do you know what I mean? There's the fan that's flame, <laughs> the flame that's slowly, is slowly burning out, the ash is still there and it's still kind of a little it's, bit of light, you're still coming yeah. across a bit of Ryan Johnson yeah. there and then, but if that <laughs> happened, it would erupt again and it's just, they just don't want that. So for me, I think they, as a company perspective, they've made the right choice. As a fan, I want them to out Ryan Johnson and say what he did obviously clearly didn't work. So we're not going to work with him anymore because I don't like him. I don't like what we did to Star Wars. So I would get great pleasure out of that, but I can understand why they haven't come out and actually said they're not going to do it. Yeah. Well, so this is something interesting that I found out. So uh, on top of them announcing Ryan Johnson back in November, 2017 in February, 2018, uh, Lucasfilm announced that the showrunners and creators of Game of Thrones on HBO, Game of Thrones, which was a widely, widely massive popular show, I, I, I think. I, I think in terms of of worldwide appeal, there are not many shows that have created such a buzz like Game of Thrones, you know, at the time. And so the 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 show creators, Benioff and Weiss, they, I think their their popularity was at an all time high. Well, this was before se- the final season of Game of Thrones came out. Um, but anyway, anyway. Lucasfilm approached them and said, hey, let's create a new trilogy with you guys. And they said, yes, let's do it. And so they announced it. Benioff and Weiss, they're going to produce a brand new Star Wars trilogy. Not not a movie, a new trilogy, right? So they announced a trilogy with Ryan Johnson, and then they announced a trilogy with Benioff and Weiss. And by October of 2019, last year, uh, Lucasfilm announced that they are no longer going to be producing any star wars movies and it came out that netflix had approached them as well at the same time and offered them a 300 million dollar deal to produce i think it was about 10 10 or 12 uh shows for netflix and and so they thought that they could maybe do this at the same time uh rumor is kathleen kennedy said no we do not play second fiddle to anybody you're either with star wars and you focus on this or you're not and they said okay we're with Netflix. See ya. <laughs> wow. So, um, so, but here's the thing though, on, on starwars.com, like the official star Wars website, the Ryan Johnson announcement is still on there. The Benioff and Weiss one has been removed because it is official that they are no longer a part of, you know, going to be doing any star Wars stuff. And so I, it is curious that star Wars, at least Lucasfilm, they've kept Ryan Johnson's announcement on their website. It's still there. It's, you can still go search for it, you know, but um, there has been no news and there have been no updates. The only new updates that we have are from this JD Dillard guy who was just announced last week. And also last year, back in September, Lucasfilm announced that uh, Kevin Feige, the executive producer over uh, the Marvel cinematic universe, the guy that essentially created the MCU He's going to come over and produce a Star Wars movie, not a trilogy. They said a movie. So, you know, we have more concrete stuff going on with these guys than anything related to Ryan Johnson. 
Um, but what do you think about Kevin Feige coming over as well? I know this is kind of old news, but this is still pretty relevant in terms of what's what's next for Star Wars. I think that the guy's earned the right to touch whatever he wants to. So if he's he's, <laughs> I like the MCU. I like. Do I think it's perfect? No, but do I really, really, really enjoy it? Yeah. Is it one of the greatest things that's been created in cinema history, like it or not? Yes, it is. So oh, I know. Nothing, no, I want... nothing even comes close to it. Exactly. So would I want this man, who's literally the key figure to that, to be involved in one of my favorite things in all time? Why Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Give me, someone, give me a, a good enough reason why I wouldn't want this person to be a part of it. So, yeah. Definitely, it's, it's it's good news to me. Whether or not he makes it like a Marvel film, which has its things that can be quite tiring with the jokes and stuff, that's a worry. So, don't, so am I saying that I don't have <laughs> my worries? Yeah, I have my worries. But do I not want him to be part of it? Do I not want him to have a shot? Do I to uh, doing this? Of course, I do. Like he's 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 a man and he's done a brilliant job. So I like like John Favreau has earned his rights to do what he did um, to be at his chance. And he smashed it, so yeah, definitely. I'd be really happy to see um, what Feige does with Star Wars. Yeah, John Favreau with the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, and I guess the the reason, the main reason why I wanted to discuss this is because, along with the the Benioff and Weiss, the Game of Thrones guys, when they it was announced that they were going to be given a new trilogy. At the same time, Lucasfilm also announced these are the lineups and, and the release dates for future Star Wars movies. December 2022, December 2024, December 2026. So kind of having those two-year gaps in between. So, And those were the Game of Thrones guys. Those were their movies. That Those were their release dates. Well, even though Benioff and Weiss have now left Star Wars, those release dates are still intact. They're still there. And, and from what I can tell, Disney is not moving on those because not only that, they had to move around the Avatar movies and push those back in order to move Star Wars up because those were... Oh, somewhere... man, that's so gutting. Oh, God, I was really looking forward to those Avatar films. Well, so, Carry on, sorry. Because it was going to... I'm pretty sure it was going to come out once every year starting in 2021. So it was going to go 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024 for Avatar because I guess there were four... <laughs> they're freaking making right now um but uh but with star wars they they're it's going to go 2021 2023 with avatar so um another thing that that kathleen kennedy said last month she also said and i just wanted to make note of this but she said for one of the future star wars films coming up she said that it will be directed by a female director she didn't name any names she didn't say who it was it's obviously not jd dillard and it's obviously not kevin feige so I, it's just, I, it, it feels like, it feels like sometimes at Lucasfilm, the right hand does not know what the left is doing and they, they say things and make these announcements before really anything is in like real concrete. And it kind of just goes to show in terms of executives and who's heading these studios, you look at Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige and compare it to Lucasfilm, what Kathleen Kennedy has done. It's night and day. It really is. And, you know, for, for what it's worth, I mean, you know, I, I know Kathleen Kennedy has her name attached to a lot of really classic, iconic movies, you know, and producer credits uh, and stuff like that. But I, I, all I know, man, is uh, <laughs> like the good book says, buy your fruits, you shall know them. And the fruits of Lucasfilm over the last, you know, five, six years 
has not been good. It just hasn't. And yes, they've had some decent movies like Rogue One, you know, scattered throughout. But man, the sequel tr- trilogy was a mess. And, and you know, just with a, a lot of that... <laughs> Well, you think sorry, about man, sorry, so, this just comes to me. This just comes to me on your list. Wasn't sorry to, to interrupt you there, man, but this just really just hit me, and I've just kind of like blurted it out. Like, wasn't no, isn't Taika Waititi lined up to do? Well, a so Star he's Wars film he's well? been he's been directing. Um, you know, I think he directed two episodes of The Mandalorian, so he he is getting his feet wet in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I did hear a rumor that he was attached to it, but I think that rumor was de- debunked for future Star Wars movies, but. I mean, right, okay. he, he, he's an Oscar-winning director now. I mean, he won best yeah. best adapted screenplay just recently for Jojo Rabbit. The guy, the guy is talented, and his. I mean, for anyone who watched The Mandalorian, uh, his episodes were some of my favorite. Uh, I think I think he's talented. I think he understands how to add humor into the Star Wars universe that isn't so forced to. It's like your mo- your mama's so fat jokes, like Ryan Johnson did in in the Last Jedi. You know that just really take you out of the film, but uh, I would love to see Taika Waititi. But I, it's just, dude, Lucasfilm, man. I, 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 there's just been so much turmoil. You know, you had Colin Trevorrow that was going to direct, you know, the last of the sequel trilogy. He got removed. Then his script gets leaked, and it looks like this script actually is way better than anything that the the Rise of Skywalker you know was. And then everything with um. You know, Solo, Solo, the the guys from Solo that the the, the co-directors that got booted off, and then, you know, they bring on, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Ron Howard. You know, and they have to reshoot you know, like seventy percent of the film. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know, man. I, Kathleen Kennedy, I'm sure. I know what you mean. I'm sure she's had her moments, but I, I, I just Lucasfilm just seems like a mess right now. And the only good stuff that's coming out in terms of like future things that I'm excited about is on Disney Plus streaming, and that's John Favreau and The Mandalorian. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. I think, I think uh, it's weird. I I do completely agree with you, and I, and to be honest, I've been very much in that camp of kind of almost level of pitchforks Kennedy out kind of thing to be honest because it feels like to me it has been a bit of a disaster the 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 saga trilogy for me was um was not coherent to that that came before it It didn't feel anything like they were related um there's a lot of kind of pushing agendas etc and also the way it's been uh, managed has clearly been publicly an embarrassment so all that being said yeah I I can kind of understand why it is, but um, I told you quite recently, obviously, that I finished um, Iger's book, didn't I? I told you this, yeah, and yeah. it had some really interesting information there. One, I didn't know that Kennedy was employed by Lucas. By not, George Lucas. Not, isn't he? Yeah, well, he, appo- he, appointed her, before... he appointed her president right before he signed the deal, right? Yeah, that's so, and even... I guess says in his book, not in a bad way, but he didn't understand what this move was because Lucas had already agreed to selling and he put Kennedy in and she had no idea that then she'd be moving over to Disney and they had no idea that he was going to be appointing her. And so they were happy to take her on board because of her reputation. She has a very, very, very good CV. So that was fine. It all worked out. But one, so for me, I was a little bit like, okay, so that, that wasn't a Disney move. Um, and getting to kind of understand kind of how Bob Iger works, he's it's kind of made me understand why she's still there. So in the book, 
I really recommend people should read it, but he really he really talks about how that he thinks that people deserve a chance in failure and that when people fail that you shouldn't just be removing them and that you should give you should really let them have an opportunity because it breeds within the company a positive outlook that you you don't have to succeed 24/7 to keep your job and that and that he he didn't talk about it Kennedy directly don't, and that so I'm not saying that is what he says about Kennedy but it's a very strong theme about the book and when I think about it it's she's a she's a very talented woman she's clearly a very talented woman and has made a massive mark on there Lucas trusted in her massively and put her in there and she's and yeah and, and the first time in her career and she's like I think she's like 50 odd she's having a she's having a pretty bad pat and it's it's pretty bad it's ruining one of my favorite things don't get me wrong but to just bin her off I can kind of see a little bit now from like Iger's perspective that she needs she needs a kind of opportunity she Star Wars has still broken records when they bought it it wasn't going to be an easy task it wasn't like Marvel Star Wars is such a harder task than what Marvel ever was right because Marvel and they she, got to build organically you know exactly but yeah. Star Wars it needed a lead like she needs she had something to have to live up to and yeah so it's, it's a completely different beast to, to Marvel and it's a hard job and I don't get me wrong I, I still don't think that she is capable of doing it it's, it's been a disaster but I, I it's opened my eyes a little bit to to why she's still there, and it's made me the book Bob Iger's book has made me really like him, and it has actually inspired me massively about kind of how to channel my kind of career and outlook. And this is a really like a really big part in it is that she shouldn't just be sacked out and fed to the wolves because she's having a hard time. Like she's has an, um, one of the best movie careers that anyone can have as a producer, right, right? And she's going through a hard time, and that if he sticks with her and she comes out the other end and starts performing and the Mandalorian is, is really, really good. Like the Mandalorian is brilliant. Like I really enjoy it. And if they can learn from that and go forward and looking like they're going to ditch Ryan Johnson, they've learned from that as well. And she's learning from her mistakes. Then I'm kind of a little bit more open based on that. I don't, I wouldn't put any money on her fixing things because maybe it's too much of a bigger job for than just being a producer but I feel a little bit more at ease after hearing Iger's kind of views on everything and how he operates and how he wants Disney to operate that that she that we should probably just ride this wave out a little bit and see see what happens and give her a chance because Star Wars no one's going to be taken on Star Wars and it be successful and even George Lucas was fed to the walls for the episode for one the to prequels, three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even the creator, <laughs> even the man who created this was literally destroyed. And imagine if those three films came out now with the internet, what like what it is. Like it just would have, it would have been a different game to even back then, and it was it was awful then. Like the guy who played Jar Jar Binks said he wanted to commit suicide, so it was pretty disastrous then as well. Right. So, but it's but at least with George, it's like he created it, and st- those films still felt like Star Wars. But, but I'm rambling a bit, but yeah, I just maybe people need to kind of maybe look at it a bit more broadly of what she was given to take on and and just give her a little bit more of a chance. No, I, and I actually, I appreciate that you brought that up because it adds a, a new perspective on something that as fans of the franchise and just as movie consumers, we don't get that inside look at to what's really going on. Bob Iger is the one that would know, and he's the one that'd be able to tell you more details about really the in and outs of his job and Kathleen Kennedy's job and just the behind the scenes stuff that we're just not privy to. And so and I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. It does add a lot of new, good, uh, helpful perspective. Yeah, that's Definitely, good. Yeah. That's good. good 
Well, so one of the last uh, top, uh, this is the last topic that uh, Ryan and I are going to discuss on today's episode. And it is again, related to Lucasfilm. Um, but uh, outside of star Wars, I would say that this is Lucasfilm's next biggest brand and franchise. It is Indiana Jones. So a couple things that Ryan and I want to discuss some news that came out uh, this past week. One, one, uh, Harrison Ford appeared on NBC's today. It's just a morning show here in the U S um, but, uh, he was quoted, uh, uh well, uh, let me see. He, he was just, he was asked about, you know, playing the legendary Indiana Jones, archeologist adventurer. And, you know, if anyone else would be able to take on that role, he, this was what his response was. He said, he said, don't you get it? I'm Indiana Jones. When I'm gone, he's gone. It's easy. <laughs> Amazing. Such a great response, dude. Such a great response. I loved it. So what do you, what do you think about his response? I mean, do you think anyone else could take on Indiana Jones or is Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones? And once he's gone, that's it. I think that he's right. And he's a mad, he's mad, isn't he? He's, he's an absolute mental Harrison Ford, but I love it. <laughs> like any, any true real creative genius is mad. Christine Bale's mental. They're all mad. <laughs> but I love it, and I love, I love, I love, I love how honest he is, and like, it is true. Like, not not only is it not only is it that he is Har- he is Indiana Jones, and he embodies that. It's it's a fact of it. Just create something new, man. Like that yeah. was him. He was portrayed as that. He was cast as that. Yeah. That's it. He's the character. Move on. Like it's done. He, that's what we enjoyed. He portrayed it well. We've lived with it for however long it's been now, and that is it. Go create something new. This is the whole thing. It's that stop living off of what was good. Like the the recent news of Tom Holland being reenacted as Martin McFly. Like no, like yeah. <laughs> just leave Martin McFly alone. Leave Indiana Jones alone. Create something new. So that's where my vibe is. It's it's not more that I don't. I have a strong passion that no one else can be Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones, which I agree with. Harrison Ford is legendary. He brings that character to life. But it's more the fact. It's just just do something new like create something new stop trying to fudge the past to make a quick buck what do you think yeah no i agree i i think this is very different from something like you know uh all the different batman movies and batman actors that we've had portraying batman um you know in in any other kind of superhero movie like different spider-man movies and actors taking on spider-man you know indiana jones doesn't have decades history of comic book iterations and versions and variations you know indiana jones was created as an original movie and i agree you know if if they were to make any more indiana jones movies maybe make sequels of you know the son of indiana jones or something like that but but i i agree harrison ford is indiana jones and it's kind of the same thing when they made the solo movie i thought it was bizarre that they chose to make a Han Solo movie. Cause I look at Han Solo the same way that I look at Indiana Jones. Han Solo is Harrison Ford. I mean, that that's, yeah. you, you can't separate the two. So when you try to bring in someone else to play Harrison or Han Solo in younger years, it, it doesn't work. I and mean, even though no. I, I enjoyed the movie enough for what it is, it still is weird. And it's kind of the same. I still, I feel the same about, about Luke Skywalker. You, you can't make, you can't make a, another movie with Luke Skywalker and it not be Mark Hamill, you know, they're one and the same. So I, I, I agree. Yeah, 100%. I agree. So, but the other big news that happened this week is 
we we obviously know there's been so many talks of making an Indiana Jones number five. So this would be the next installation after Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was met with mixed reviews. But the big news is all four previous Indiana Jones movies has been directed have been directed by Steven Spielberg. And it was just announced that Steven Spielberg is stepping away from Indiana Jones 5 and will no longer be directing Indiana Jones 5. Thoughts? Um, I think that if you, if you said that, he, that who's, who's replacing him. Well, so it's not official yet. I thought it was official when I saw the news come out, but it, it, it's highly likely going to be James Mangold. Um, yeah. So James Mangold, more known for uh, recently Ford versus Ferrari or Ford v Ferrari, uh, Logan, Three Ten to Yuma, and Walk the Line. Those are kind of his staple movies. Yeah, he's babies. So he's, he's talented. He's talented. He's very he's very talented. So I think it's so asking original question of am I sad still Spielberg stepping down and the the is it unknown on who's going to take over? Yeah, I'm, I'm sad. It's like with that quote you've just said from um, from Harrison Ford, it's, it's very similar to the director, just because the director's not on on screen. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't mean that their presence also isn't just as important as Harrison Ford's embodiment as Indiana Jones. So like, so yeah, I'm I'm really sad. It's it it'd be like it'd be like bringing Christian Bale back to do a Dark Knight Returns, but Christopher Nolan's not directing. Well, it's it's not it's not part of the Dark Knight saga then is it because they're massively a part of it they they give the the feel of what that film is um and spielberg is obviously not just any director he's up there if not the greatest director that's ever lived so yeah it is without a doubt yeah it is without a doubt a bad bad thing to happen to it and it and whether or not that's the final nail in the coffin for it not happening, because I think they were supposed to film like two years ago, right? This has been delayed so badly. I think the film was due to release this year, and they haven't even got a script yet for it. So I know, and Harrison Ford is 78 years old this year. <laughs> exactly. So they need to get on. But now if we were to say, for example, take on the Mangold news and have a, my opinion on that, I love James Mangold. Ford vs. Fire is great. Logan is great. He's a very talented director. So... Uh, it doesn't. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be as good as Spielberg, and it will be different. Yeah, but different the, doesn't necessarily mean bad, does it? Yeah, I mean, the, you think about. I mean, Steven Spielberg. His movies are are so recognizable in in just their style, and and especially the Indiana Jones movies. So I think that's one thing that could end up standing out, kind of like a sore thumb, even if the movie is really good in terms of its aesthetic and just kind of the style and how it's filmed it probably is going to be pretty different from the Indiana Jones movies, but he is, he is a talented director. We'll see what happens. No news or details were given as to why uh, Steven Spielberg is stepping away. At least not yet. I'm sure we'll find out later, but all right, Ryan, this has been a fun episode, man. Let's just, let's just end on this. All right. Since we've been talking about Harrison Ford, I just recently watched his new movie that came out called uh, uh, the call of the wild. This is, I think uh, the third or fourth, movie rendition of uh, this very classic iconic uh american novel um but in the formal review he wrote his review on it so go check it out on backseatdirectors.com but i saw it it's a great family movie if you have a family and you guys are looking for a, a family friendly flick to go see a call of the wild is definitely it and harrison ford is good i i i like him in whatever movie he's in what's so. the CG, what's the cgi dog well so dog that's that's that? Th- that was the biggest thing that i was concerned about because you look in the previews and it, it's you, you know they the the technical term for 
watching something that's CGI and your brain really not processing it as real. It's called the uncanny uncanny valley. That's the technical term for it. And there's definitely some pretty hard uncanny valley stuff in there because the dog is full CGI. And if you go, so Disney Plus last year they released a, a, a movie, a dog sled movie with Willem Dafoe called Togo, and they used all real dogs. None of it was CGI. All real dogs. And this one was full CGI dog. I understand why they had to make it a CGI dog. The types of scenes that they were putting him in and the type of behavior and emotions that the dog needed to emote on screen. It had to be CGI. But I thought it was going to bother me. As the movie went on, it didn't bother me at all. So again, if if you got a family, I think it's, it's worth taking the family to go see. Um, so this is what Ryan and I are going to end on, right? We just want to list our top five favorite Harrison Ford movies, all right? So uh, um, I'll, uh, this is kind of, I mean, it's my number five, and I picked this just because uh, um, I, I, when I think of Harrison Ford outside of Indiana Jones and Star Wars, this is the first movie I always think of, but my number five is Air Force One. <laughs> <laughs> mate that's same same that's yes same as mine. yes yeah well, I, well, if that, dude if that if that's your number five i think our list is going to be pretty similar i wonder i wonder <laughs> if it's going to be exactly the same as we go but okay so that's our number five air force one my number four is star wars a new hope no mine was raiders oh really okay 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 yeah. all right um my number three is indiana jones the last crusade Okay, uh, mine was New Hope. Oh, very good. Okay, so hey, we're we're still same. All we have all the same movies. My number two is Empire Strikes Back. Fine was Empire Strikes Back for number two. Yep. <laughs> so my number one is Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. No, Return of the Jedi. Oh, really? Is that that's your favorite yeah, Harrison yeah, yeah. Ford? Really? Well, Return of the Jedi is my favorite. Um, original star wars original film a lot of people turn that eyebrow of that but it's my favorite one so yeah of course he would he would be the uh that would be why no that's great man that's great no i I, well so we which one were you missing were you missing you didn't put the last crusade on there right no okay so we we had four of the five the same (laughs) it's funny that we both pick air force one though (laughs) it's so good i just remember get off my plane (laughs) (laughs) and on that note get off my plane oh man well everyone thank you so much for tuning in um you know it's probably going to be impossible for ryan and i ever to keep these episodes short they're just too much fun (laughs) but hey for once a week i don't mind an hour dude this was a lot of fun ryan i appreciate you uh uh just kind of hanging out with me today but um uh why don't you let the listeners know how they can get a hold of you or reach out to you online cool so um i'm ryan from lifeoffilms.com just a blogging website so yeah you can jump on there and read some blogs and all my contact details on there if you fancy getting in touch so yeah hope to speak to you soon yep and i'm andre hutchins with backseat directors and everyone thanks so much for tuning in we'll see you guys next week let's go to the movies the backseat directors theme song is let's go to the movies by ozo motley 
You can find the album Ozo Motley Presents Ozo Kids and all of their other music on iTunes. The Backseat Directors Podcast is available to download on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and most other podcast platforms. Join the conversation online and follow Backseat Directors on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next stop, concession stand, Google's popcorn, part of the plan, soda pop, and now we go to door number one to catch the show, we find our seats, uh-uh, the perfect road, why, it's the perfect day for a movie, let's go see a show, Documentaries, uh, so many options, so much variety. There's a perfect movie for you and him and her and me. Uh, so find your seat in the perfect row. Sit back, relax, kick up your feet, and turn off your phone. 